What's your Everest? You know, the highest mountain on earth, a metaphor for a goal that is so big that it scares you to even speak it out loud. That goal that takes more than a season, a year, or maybe takes a lifetime to even accomplish. I'm Colleen Rue, the voice of the mountain and your host as we meet inspiring individuals who know what it's like to set big goals and how to accomplish them. Welcome to My Everest, a 29029 podcast. Let's talk goals. No, not those safe little ones that you set at the first of every year. Those really big goals. The ones maybe you haven't even dared to write down or let slip past your lips. Your really, really big dreams for yourself. There's a saying attributed to Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, the Nobel Prize winner in 2011 for peace. She said, if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. In this episode of the 29029 podcast, we are going to introduce you to Colin O'Brady, 29029 co-founder, 10-time world record holder, the first man to cross Antarctica solo, unsupported, and completely human-powered. He was part of the first team to row across the infamous Drake Passage. He's a top speaker, a New York Times bestselling author. Let's just say Colin knows how to dream big. With big goals, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. But the important part of setting the big goal is it gives us a North Star. Put the big goal on your calendar, forget about failure for a second, and then make it bite size. Just ask yourself every day, what one tiny, small, five minute, 10 minute, 30 minute thing can I do today to help me one tiny little step further? And before you know it, those little incremental steps will lead you to the start line, will lead you to the summit. And that's how certainly in all the big goals and world records and things I've done, they've all been broken down to these small component parts. And today he's going to show you why you can do it too. Colin, how you doing today? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Great. Thanks for having me here. You've climbed the mountain how many times at 29 or 29? Um, I think I'm on, is it eight? I eight, think you're there? on eight. I'm I... on eight. Yeah. So I've got eight little medallions on my jersey these days. So, uh, and you know, the five, the five time finisher, big wooden plaque. I was the first to get that. Um, I know I'm a co-founder, so I should probably know the answer, but I feel like maybe the 10 should be like an even bigger. Oh yeah. Thing. What are we going to give you at 10? <laughs> we need to look at that. You've climbed every single mountain that 29029 has put out there. You climb in Whistler this year with us? Dude, Whistler this year. I'll be at all the events. I did just talk. I was on the phone with uh, our dear friend, Thomas Zebley, who oh, a long time participant, not a co-founder, but he's got six under his belt. So don't think it's just me as the uh, the co-founder who's done that many. There is uh, Joni Rich, Thomas yep. Zebley. They, they're, they're hot on my heels as well. So, and I know they're coming back for more next year as well. Yeah. They're waiting for you to take off to Antarctica again or something so they can sneak (laughs) in a couple more summits on you. No, it's good. And you know, for those who don't know you, Colin, why don't you introduce yourself? I mean, I can go into the 10 time world record holder, top speaker of these firsts that you've done, but, but kind of give us your Instagram bio of who Colin O'Brady is. 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, you covered something there. That is on one of those things on my Instagram bio, 10 time world record holder. Um, you know, I've done a lot of large expeditions around the world, sort of endurance sports space. I was a professional triathlete before getting into expeditions. Um, I guess one of the things I'm most known for in the expedition space was becoming the first person in history to cross Antarctica, uh, completely alone, unsupported by resupplies as well as fully human powered. So did that back in 2018, but I've done all sorts of different things from climbing Everest a couple of times and being on K2 in winter to rowing a boat across Drake passage. Um, but for me, like the biggest passion around all of this is really pushing myself Self, but inspiring others to push um, their own bodies. That's why I've always been excited to be a part of 29029 and really this community. It's like we all have it in us to set these goals, um, to, to look up to the top of whatever mountain that is, you know, whatever our own Everest is. And I, I'm just as inspired by sort of my own goals, my own passion, just around being, as well as being around other people that are embodying that in their own lives, no matter, no matter how they characterize that. And that's why, you know, I guess it's easy to characterize me as a, as a endurance athlete, I suppose, but I really play in a lot of different, um, you know, avenues. I've just got done writing my second book. So I'm an, an author. I've done stuff in television and film and storytelling and speaking and, uh, you know, I have a nutrition company, things like that. Like I, I'm passionate about just entrepreneurship and, and business and really just pushing myself in a number of different ways that uh, bring joy and inspiration. And that's really what I love to do. No. And that's what I think we love about you is you you're just so human, Colin. You're just Colin and you've done these amazing things, but you are just you're the guy and you've got big dreams. And we have to mention Jenna, your wife. She's amazing. Yeah. You guys make a phenomenal team and she is right behind you on your heels, making sure all these expeditions and all these crazy ideas come to fruition. And so you've created something that is, is just like this dream team that truly is making dreams come true and, and setting these big, big goals. What I love that you and Jenna also do is you go and talk to kids in schools and you really bring in education in these kids and you teach these kids about setting big goals goals. Talk through that and how your experience has been talking to these kids and watching them set big goals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's worthy of mentioning. So going back, I guess, to 2015, um, I had been a professional triathlete for a number of years. Um, before that, that kind of spawned my professional triathlon career. I've been in this terrible accident. Be told I'd never walk again normally after a burn accident, recovered from that and kind of set me on my own personal journey. Um, but in 2015, or I say late 2014, Jenna and I, uh, we got engaged. So we we're standing on this mountaintop in Ecuador. I had this diamond ring in my pocket, asked her to marry me. It's a beautiful moment. And I think that is uh, perhaps you can relate to Colleen or many other folks who have been engaged, a sort of moment of like naivete of the future. Like, what do we want our life to be like? Let's like dream without limits. And like, what do we want to do with our lives and whatever? We're just kind of swept up in this moment for me being outside. We're on a mountaintop, um, which is one of my favorite places to be. But we're just looking at this expanse. And I was like, what do you want to do? And that was a moment where we really, Jen and I just dreamed as big as possible without, without the limiting beliefs, without saying, oh, we should do this, but that probably won't work or whatever. It's like full blue sky session. And in that moment, we came up with this idea. One, I had always dreamed of climbing Mount Everest as a kid. And I thought, one, if I could set the world record in something called the Explorer's Grand Slam. So that's to climb the tallest mountain on each of the seven continents, the seven summits, which obviously is a huge part of 29 or 29 now, um, as well as complete expeditions of the North Pole and the South Pole. But our larger mission to bring back what you're bringing the kids was to say, can we do this in a way that's not just self-serving? I've been a professional athlete in triathlon for a long time. 
but it, there was something missing for me, which is like, if I won or I lost a triathlon as a professional athlete, it kind of was just like, yeah, maybe my sponsors like knew about it. Sure. My coach or something like that, but it kind of ended there. There was never sort of any sort of ancillary ripple effect. And so with this mountaineering project that Jenna and I sunk our teeth into, um, and certainly, as you mentioned, Jenna is just as just as much a part of this as me. My face on these world records, but it's a true team effort, you know, 50-50 and everything we've built and created over time. We said, can we start a nonprofit or an impact initiative or something that really takes this story and lets it have a life beyond Colin climbed a bunch of mountains? Like, like that just seems somewhat limited. I wanted to climb a mountain, sure, but wouldn't it be better if we could have this amazing impact? So we started this nonprofit during this time, had no idea what we were doing, by the way. We get home from this, say, can I set this world record? Can I climb these mountains? Can we start a nonprofit? We're sitting on our one bedroom apartment in Portland. And this is like this moment where people set goals where it's like all the negativity goes like, yeah, that was a good idea the day we got engaged on this mountaintop and it was fun. But like, you know, we don't have any money, no funding, no background, have no idea how to do this. Like, it's like you're sitting at the bar with your buddy and you're like, let's do 29 or 29 or let's run a marathon. You wake up the next morning, you're like, that's a terrible idea. Like, we're not actually going to do that. <laughs> um, so that's that moment. And I think we all know that moment in setting big, that nervousness of setting those big goals and committing to it. Because we absolutely did not know if we were going to succeed. In fact, it was most likely we weren't going to succeed, but we looked at each other and we're like, we have no money. We have no background. We have no idea how we're going to pull this off, but you know what? We have an internet connection. We have a couple of laptops. We can start emailing people and Googling stuff. And like, let's just try to figure this out. And it's too long of a story for now, but basically for 18 months, we, people said it was going to work, said no to us, this, that, the other thing, but we finally got it off the ground and we started this climbing. But while I was climbing Mount Everest specifically, and this was before COVID, before digital curriculums were all in vogue, um, we were doing digital curriculums. As I was doing these expeditions, we were sharing it with classrooms. We'd started our nonprofit. And Jenna started asking this question two students while I was climbing Everest and we were doing this kind of back and forth, kind of sharing videos and stuff with these classrooms. And then eventually in person, when I got back, it said, Colin's climbing Mount Everest students. Like what is your Mount Everest? And that has become a big part of our sort of mission and message, et cetera. But it was born out of this concept of elementary school kids. What's a metaphor that they can wrap their mind around towards a big goal. And so that was this, what's your Everest question. But what's fun about that and what I come back to our conversation here that I think really applies is that when we ask that question, I've now done this in gymnasiums all across the country. We've had, you know, more than a million students enrolled in our programs over time. And students, when you ask them this, particularly elementary school students, they all raise their hand. They all have something. They all have some big goal because at that age, life hasn't like knocked them down yet. Like the limiting beliefs that that negative voice that we all battle as adults hasn't really shown up yet for these kids, which is really beautiful and fun to see. But what I started to realize after asking this question to so many kids was wait, this what's your Everest question is important. I had just climbed Everest myself, but what am I going to do? Kick my feet up and do nothing for the rest of my life? Like what's my next Everest? And wait a second, this is important for people at any age, at any phase of life, like to ask this, but you know, volley a question back to you, but do you find as adults, because I certainly do anecdotally, 
that it is harder to set these wild and audacious goals that maybe a kid who's eight years old can raise his hand and just be like, hey, I want to do this with my life with sort of reckless abandon. But as adults, what is that about this sort of these limiting beliefs that do creep in and allow us to sort of, oh, we got to dream smaller. Maybe that's not realistic. You know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, you're like hitting me right in the heart because I've been thinking about this so much where we define as adults getting to a finish line or or getting to the end of a goal in a very small box. It's a very small box where it's like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. If the scale doesn't say 20 pounds less, then I have failed at my goal. And as children, I don't think they have that capacity to do that yet because those finish lines are so ambiguous to them. And like you said, it's such a beautiful thing to see that, but I see it in my life all the time. I'm setting the safe goal, the goal that I know that I can hit because my ego won't allow me to dream bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think what we have to explore is how do we set this Everest? I mean, you set a goal without anything. You and Jenna didn't have the resources. You didn't have the knowledge, the know-how, but you were brave enough to say, Hey, we're going to take a step in the direction. We're going to Google this and see what comes up. How did you guys manage that? How did you manage the ego part of that where, Hey, this may not work. It's a great question. And you know, when I think about it, what's even more interesting about this moment in time, when we set this Explorers Grand Slam goal, which ultimately you know, ended up being my first of 10 world record successes. In a lot of ways, I was actually coming off of in that moment, a massive failure, like an actual, like inarguable failure, which is when I was five years old, I said, I want to make the Olympics. I was seven years old. I saw Pablo Morales, which was an American butterflyer in 1992 when the Olympic gold medal, the 92 Olympics in Barcelona and watched on TV with my mom. And I had like just gotten into swim team and like a rec league in Portland, Oregon, you know, not like serious swimming, but just like getting a little bit into swimming. And I was like, I'm going to be an Olympian. And I spent the next 15 years of my life really bought into that dream. Um, I ended up becoming a collegiate swimmer. I swam division one. I had national rankings or whatever, but like, wasn't quite good enough to make the Olympics. Like I was a great swimmer. Like I said, got me into college, all these things, but like, just that wasn't, you know, I wasn't Michael Phelps. He's for him. And I are the same age, by the way. Uh, he's, I'm definitely not Michael Phelps. Let's be clear. Um, and then after that, in this burn accident that I mentioned briefly, I got this rebirth on that dream, which was triathlon. And then for six, seven years, I became a professional triathlete with the explicit goal. I want to make the Olympics. And in 2014, 2015, ahead of the 2016 Olympics, it became clear that I was going to fail at that as well. Like, again, I was a professional triathlete. I excelled at it. I raced in 25 countries on six different continents for the U.S. national team. But I wasn't, there was just, I didn't quite make it. My, my colleague, one of my best friends, you know, Joe Malloy, who's actually done 29 and 29, um, a couple of times made the Olympics in 2016. So I'm like, I'm there, I'm training with these guys. These are my colleagues are my peers, but I just didn't quite, quite make the team. Right. And it would be easy to think or more logical to think like, wow, Colin, you spent 20 of years dedicated to this goal and you failed. What's the next thing you're going to do? Set some other ridiculously seeming audacious goal. It would seem you might revert the other way, which is to say, like, maybe dream a little bit smaller because you tried for 20 years and then make this goal. But here's where the important psychological switch was for me. 
is I looked back on that and I said, because I tried to make the Olympics for the last decade plus, I have been to 55 countries now. I basically met my wife and traveled all around the world with her. I have deep and lasting friendships. I have learned so much about my endurance. My body is healthy and strong. I'm this. And so instead of thinking about the one thing I didn't get, it'd be like the person standing on the scale and saying, I lost, you know what? I didn't lose 20 pounds. But then you're like, but you lost 19.5 pounds, right? Like I'm the 19.5 guy. I didn't lose 20 pounds. So ostensibly I failed at the goal, I guess. But like I gained so much by the process of committing to the goal. And so when Jenna and I set that 20 or that, uh, you know, Explorers Grand Slam world record goal, the, the nonprofit goal, and we can talk about some others that I set that were really seemingly impossible at the time. I have always said, like, succeed or fail. If I go down the process of committing to this journey, I am going to learn so much about it. So to bring it full circle to 29029, the event itself, look. We hope that everyone earns that red bib and eventually that red hat at the top. Everyone that puts the start line on, I believe you are capable of doing that on the day with the right preparation, with the right mindset, et cetera. But what I always say at the events, and, and you encourage this throughout the entire event, Colleen, in such an amazing way, is like, yo, you signed up for this. You showed up for this. You turned right again. Like, you know, I think you know, we, there's some so many inspirational stories from the 29 on 20 event itself. I'm thinking of our friend Junior is coming to mind right now from Sun Valley last year. Like, look, Junior did not earn the red bib, but he stayed out on that mountain the entire time at Sun Valley. And it was one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed. And I don't think he goes and goes, hey, I didn't get the red hat, so I failed. I should have never signed up for this. In fact, he came back and volunteered with us, has stayed close to the community, the friendships that have formed from it. And like, hey, maybe he'll come back next year and get the red bib or not. doesn't really matter. He succeeded because he allowed himself to set a goal that he, depending on how you look at it, didn't quite achieve the actual red hat goal, but the other things gained, it's like the 50 countries of the 19.5 pounds or however you want to do that. To me, that is the true essence uh, of the winning, uh, uh, of, of the reason for setting the audacious goals. And I think that there's so many stories that we can point to, like Junior, whether it's in the 29029 community or without of the 29029 community, where people and their perseverance is that inspirational piece that sometimes I'm most inspired by the people in, you know, the 35th hour on the mountain who know that they're not going to get the red hat, but yet they get back out on the mountain. And that's what I want to bring back into my goal setting where I can set a big goal. I can set this seemingly impossible goal. And as long as I'm taking those steps forward, I'm still working along that line and I'm not, I'm not failing. I mean, I just feel like we should take failure completely out of our vocabulary and just look at the journey that we go on. Because if we don't have big goals, I mean, what are we doing? Really? If we're always in that safe space, what are we doing? Absolutely. And you you ask yourself, you really kind of, this is a little bit more of a sort of philosophical question, but you say like, well, why, why do you want the red hat? Why do you want to stand on top of this mountain? Or why, why do you want this? Is it so that you can go back home and show everyone your red hat and be like, look at me, like I climb these laps and Everest. And like, 
Of course, I, I'll be the first to admit this. You know, I, I carry, I got a little bit of ego. I think we all have a little bit of ego to be like, I did this. I finished the marathon. I climbed all the laps in the mountains. I earned this red hat. But if you really sink into it, I would argue that 99% of people, myself included in this bucket, really what the reason they signed up for the event or the reason that they're setting a big goal is because they want to learn something about themselves. They want to get better. They want to get stronger. They want to build mental strength. They want to show them, prove that they're, um, you know, gritty or have that perseverance or role model things for their kids or their family or their community. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is as long as you engage the process fully, all of those things are going to happen. The person that's been on the mountain for 35 hours, red hat or no red hat, there's, it is impossible to be on the mountain for 35 hours and not learn something about yourself and not be able to take something back into your daily life about, hey, next time something gets difficult or hard, you've now recalibrated what that is, what you're capable of, re recalibrated your own capacity for this. And that to me, that is the actual success. And so take, take the little bit of the ego off this or the, you know, failure or not failure or whatever, like success looks like raising your hand, committing to a big goal, whether or not you think it's possible or not, and then going after it. You know, another story from my own life along these regard, regards is in 2018 when I set out to do this Antarctica crossing, you know, for a hundred plus years, different people over time had tried different solo crossings of Antarctica and whatever, and no one had been successful in this specific kind of crossing, which was a solo unsupported by real supplies and fully human power crossing. It had never been done. And people had tried. In fact, a guy, a few years before I attempted, he made it almost a hundred miles from the finish, you know, 900 some miles into it and he fell ill and he died. Another really prolific, you know, explorer the year before I attempted made it, you know, 50 some days in, ran low on supplies and had to be evacuated because he had run out of food and fuel. And these are these aren't just like random people. These are like the best of the best, like explorers, polar explorers, really renowned people. And there were some articles going around. There's this one that stands out for me from Wired Magazine wrote, it is straight up impossible to take enough calories with you to get across Antarctica. And they were talking about the context of this exact crossing. And the word impossible is in this, like as a statement of a fact, this is not a op-ed or whatever. Just like, it's impossible. The math doesn't check on being able to humanly do this. And so when Jenna and I emotionally and then strategically committed to seeing if I could pull this crossing off, we love to like name and brand our projects, different things, whatever. And we said like, let's call this crossing the impossible first. First being, if, if you did pull it off, it'd be the first person in history. And then some people retrospectively, I was successful in it, but retrospectively said, oh, were you just trying to say impossible because like you're set out to prove the impossible is possible, whatever. I was like, actually, the reason we called it that is because we thought this might actually be impossible. Like the people have tried this, they have not succeeded. I thought it might be possible, but I actually acknowledged on my first step out there, this might actually be impossible. However, that doesn't mean I'm not interested in trying to do it. That's the difference. Acknowledging that like, I don't know if I'm gonna succeed in this. I didn't sign up for this because I thought, oh, this is a cakewalk and then I can like, people are gonna know who I am because I proved them wrong. Like actually like I, there's a very, very, very high chance that I quote unquote fail at this. But if I spend a year training, dying in my nutrition, dying in my mindset, figuring out the essentials, being alone in this place for a month or two months and battling through the personal demons and whatever, whether I get to the other side of the continent or I have to get, you know, evacuated or something like this, like I am going to learn so much about myself in this process 
there's no failure. Like you said, I've taken failure off of the table. Now I'm really proud of the fact that I did complete the crossing. I'm proud of the fact that I did a world first, but at its essence, I went out there thinking, even naming my project, this might be impossible, but I'm still willing to try. And it's a cliche we've heard probably many times, but something my mother said to me a lot, which was, you know, shoot for the moon for if you miss, you will land amongst the stars. And that's something that I've really embodied. And I think it really is uh, certainly in line with what we're talking about with letting go of that fear of failure, a fear of not setting big enough goals, setting only really kind of easily attainable goals, which ultimately aren't really your deepest passions, um, but actually saying, you know what? Take failure off the table by committing to this. This process of this is going to have so many ancillary benefits that I've already won just by committing to the journey. Yeah, it's about the progress. It's about that the steps that we take each and every day. So, you know, here we are, January 2022. People are making big goals the first of the year. How do you talk to somebody who wants to set that big goal, but they're still just hesitant there? There is still that fear there. There's the unknown and they're trying to balance life. You know, they're they're a parent and they've got a business to run and they want to do these big things. What is that advice that you can give to them about setting this goal? Yeah, so for me, one thing that I actually... I've been fortunate enough to climb Everest twice. The second time was with Jenna this past summer, which was really amazing to share that moment with my wife on the top of the world. But both times I've been to Nepal, um, and this, obviously it's a huge metaphor in my life, 29 or 29 is all built off the same premise. But when you stand at the base of the actual Mount Everest, or honestly, if you stand at the base of Sun Valley or Vermont or Utah or whatever, you look up to the top of this mountain and it seems really far. Like you're like, forget about climbing it multiple times. And certainly, you know, with the real Everest in Nepal, you stand there and you go, this is such a big mountain. How am I ever going to get up there? And our minds do this because our mind is trying to process the information of the thousands of steps that we're going to have to take to achieve said goal. And before you know it, to your point, you kind of get overwhelmed. You're like, but I've got this business and a job and I got kids at home and I got a da da da. And how would I train for this? And how would that work into my life? And how would I, this, whatever. And my advice is this, if you know, deep down, if you're listening to this, it's a high probability chance that you know that you're the type of person that wants to chase and go after big goals in your life, you know, because you're here, you're listening, you're tuning in to this for that reason. And because you know that about yourself, my advice is bet on yourself by signing up. In this case, we're talking about 29 on 29, you know, sign up for 29 on 29. If it's something else, like that's fine too. But like actually whatever the quote unquote sign up is, like put it on your calendar on this date, at this moment, I'm going to do this thing. And forget about solving the thousands of steps in between. Just for a second, just suspend disbelief for a second. You're like, you know what? This year, I'm going to do this. You write it down, you sign it up, you put it on your calendar, whatever that exact sort of action looks like. That's the big goal. That's saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to climb Mount Everest this year. And then the next moment, that's is the me sitting with my laptop realizing I have no, no you know, foundation for building the thing I want to do. It's like, what can I do today? And this is about incremental, incremental steps, right? I think this is so important. With big goals, goals that take multiple months or multiple years, whatever to accomplish, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. But the important part of setting the big goal is it gives us a North Star. So make sure you have that North Star. Put the big goal on your calendar. Forget about failing for a second. And then make it bite-sized. Tomorrow, what is one thing that I can do this? Maybe it's as simple as it's not even a workout. I mean, we're talking about athletic stuff, but to use that metaphor, like can be anything, but 
you're, you sign up to run a marathon. Okay, great. You put it, now you put it on your calendar. It's in August. Fantastic. Well, I know this for sure. If you're going to run a marathon, except for the guy who won the 1960 Olympic marathon and he was barefoot for all the rest of us, you need a pair of running shoes that like, don't hurt your feet. So like maybe the thing that you do tomorrow, it's not even going for a run. You like go on Amazon or Zappos. or you go to the shoe store and like today I'm going to buy the shoes. And tomorrow I'm going to get the socks. And then the next day after that, I'm going to run one mile. Point being is is the incremental steps. You can forget about asking yourself. And we we talk to the, you say this to people so much, Colleen, on uh, 2929, not what lap are you on? Oh, you have nine more to go. You have this. You're like, can you do one more lap right now? How about, how about one more lap before lunch? How about this? How about one more lap in the night before, you know, you take a little rest. How about, you know, one more, it's like, what's the one thing you do? So concisely my advice would be commit to that big goal put it on your calendar sign up whatever that looks like commit to it let that be your north star and then through that lens just ask yourself every day what one tiny small five minute 10 minute 30 minute thing can i do today to help me one tiny little step further and before you know it those little incremental steps will lead you to the start line, will lead you to the summit. And that's how certainly in all the big goals and world records and things I've done, they've all been broken down to these small component parts for sure. I think one of part of your story that I really love on your Antarctica crossing is how difficult it started for you, where you met opposition pretty much the moment that expedition started and you had to recalibrate and you had to really break it down into, I'm going to go these incremental, you know, amounts of distance. Maybe it's not what I had planned. Maybe it's not the way that I thought it was going to look, but we have to keep moving because had you not kept moving forward, you know, and those who don't know how your Antarctica expedition ended, you would never have gotten to that point. That was kind of that glory point. That was that beautiful flow state and beautiful finish to what you did it didn't start like that. No, absolutely not. And I think that's important for anyone saying these big goals, the payoff at the end can be really positive, but you have to be willing to go through some difficult times. And what I've come to realize, I've come to kind of recalibrate my brain, even around those difficult times, which is to say like, sweet, like I'm having a hard time. Like, of course, that's what I signed up for. That's the process. That's the juice. That's the learning. And certainly in my Antarctica crossing, I did not draw it up like this. When I was drawing my initial plans, I get dropped off on this plane. I'm getting ready to depart. I've got 375 pound sled. I've trained with my coach, Mike McCallister will be as strong and fit as I possibly can, whatever. And I start pulling my sled and like, I straight up can't pull it. Like I just basically can't pull it. Like I can pull it for like 20 seconds and then I'm like completely out of breath and like 10 seconds more. I'm completely out of breath. Um, you know, I literally, when I write this story in my book, the, the chapter is called frozen tears because literally I started crying, but it's minus 25 degrees outside. What happens? Like the tears, they freeze to your face. It's a pretty embarrassing set of circumstances. I'm like, I haven't even made it a mile. I've got nearly a thousand miles to go. I can't pull my sled. It's an all time pathetic feeling. And I had a little bit of a breakdown out there. I started crying. I actually picked up my satellite phone. I called home to Jenna and I said, Hey babe, we did a great job naming this project. It is indeed impossible. Like it, it is indeed impossible. And as I said before, I knew that I might fail at this. I will be honest. 
I thought that if I failed, I'd fail on the 30th day or the 40th day or the 50th day, but to fail one hour into this thing. And I had told a lot of people, I'd done an interview with the New York times and the, this, I'm going to do this thing. Like, and I might fail at it, but I definitely didn't think like, I'm going to have to tell people, Oh, I went down there for a day. And that was just, I was embarrassed. I was afraid. I was all exhausted, all these emotions. And Jenna gave me some super sound advice that really just changed everything for me and has certainly been a huge part of my life, not just with that expedition. But she said, you're doing the thing where like you think you can't go a thousand miles. She goes, forget about the thousand miles, you know, and there was this you know whole other part. We won't introduce all these components, but I'm racing another guy and that guy's not having a problem at all. And he disappears across the horizon and he's gone. And she's like, forget about the race. Your goal was to be first, whatever. And like that guy on day one is like way more prepared than you or has a system dialed. And certainly he was a lot more experienced than me. He's like a British Navy SEAL basically. And he's gone. And she goes, forget about that. How far are you away from the first waypoint? And I'm like, I have this GPS that's marked the waypoint. I've got hundreds of waypoints along the way to mark the path um, of, of my proposed route across to go around crevasses and glaciers and all this kind of stuff. And my, I look down at my GPS and my waypoint says I'm 0.52 miles away from the first waypoint, nearly a thousand mile crossing, but I'm a half a mile effectively away from the first waypoint. And Jenna says, forget about the race, forget about a thousand miles, forget about tomorrow, whatever it takes, Colin, I don't care if it takes you five more hours or it takes you 20 minutes or whatever. It sounds like you're not moving very quick. Get to that first waypoint. That's it. That's all you have to do. And honestly, for the next thousand miles and 54 days on that crossing, as well as many other sort of emotional hurdles and big goals I've set, that is where my mind goes now. It's just, just get to the next waypoint. And when you get there, we can, we can talk about the next one. And that is the essence of the incremental process. But to say like, yes, you know, I've had this world record and yes, I finished the Antarctica crossing and I ended up passing the other guy and becoming first and whatever, but it almost died in the first hour because of my own negativity in my brain that says, wait, you're going to fail. This is too hard. What are you talking about? You can't pull your sled. And then it, this, it became too big in my mind. How are you ever going to do a thousand miles? Cause our brains really have a hard time processing it. But Jenna, just get to that first waypoint. And then I pieced it together, waypoint to waypoint. So the same to your initial question, the advice is like, set the big goal, have it as your North star, and then just keep getting to one other waypoint, waking up again, doing one other workout, one other thing and step, you know, one other sort of brick in the path. And, and that's how we really reach these summits. Yeah. And that's how we can set these big goals and not be afraid of it. I think if anything, we're going to resolve to for 2022 is to stop being afraid of going big is to think big, dream big, and then just take the first step forward. And it might be a terrible step and you might cry frozen tears, but you don't know where those steps are going to lead if you can just stay with it. I love that advice, Colin. I, I love that. And I think it's, you know, when we kind of circle back to those kids that you and Jenna have spoken to setting these huge Everest goals saying, I'm going to, you know, climb Mount Everest with you when I'm 10 years old. I'm going to be a race car driver. I'm going to be in the NBA. Let's set goals like kids set goals and imagine what our life would be because of the journeys that we go on towards these goals. That's exciting. Totally. I love that. That's sort of that, that childlike mind. Cause it's that mind that doesn't have the limiting beliefs. Our adult brains just, you know, and again, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself goes, I want to do this, but then what is the first thing? 
you an adult goes, but da, 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 da. you know, I, I one day I'd like to start my own company, but I'm pretty far down the path in my career. And if I stop that, and then all of a sudden you're hearing like it's all the different excuses. The kid just goes, I want to be the first person in my family to graduate from college. You know, I, I want to, you know, I want to start this company and make a gajillion, whatever it is. You know, it doesn't matter what that is, like whatever, but they don't, they don't add the next, but, and here's the reason why it's not going to happen. And so to anyone listening to this, that's what I would say is jump into those big goals with reckless abandon in some capacity and don't let your brain fill in the second half of the sentence. Just stop there. I am signing up for 20 out of 29 this year. I am going to chase this goal. I'm going to do this in my personal life, whatever that is. And don't say all the excuses as to why it might maybe not work out or whatever. Just stop yourself. Stop yourself from that dialogue um, because you have the ability and the capacity in your own mind to rewrite those stories of what you are capable of. And like you said, as, as you dive in, you're less afraid. You set those big goals and then just start taking those first steps and see where you end up. Yeah. And kind of to, to wrap this all up, Colin, you, you always talk about that. We all have these reservoirs of untapped potential. Like we don't know what we're capable of and finding those reservoirs going to that place is, is really our goal, right? A hundred percent. I think that there's this sort of, you know, common misbelief, I think that, you know, we are limited as humans or, oh, I'm not, I'm not that smart as this other person. I'm not as strong as this other person. Or, you know, you, you look at something on TV or whatever, and be like I could never do that or whatever. Kind of, we have this in our head of our own personal limitation. And what I've come to realize is that as exactly as you put it, as the way I like to say it, that we all have these reservoirs of untapped potential inside of us. It's not like you have to like go get it somewhere. Like whoever listening to this, like you have this capacity inside of you. I know that for certain. And one thing that came became very apparent to me on the backside of this Antarctica expedition a few years ago um, was there, a lot, there was a lot of press, a lot of media, a lot of attention. Um, while I was doing the crossing, I didn't know so much about it. I was in this bubble completely alone. But the second and I got back, it turned out that Jenna had, you know, basically ran this incredible PR campaign and there was like 2 billion media impressions, you know, sort of like from, you know, the Today Show to Joe Rogan podcast to BBC to, you know, all the different, every outlet you can like want to interview me about this. And it was a very humbling experience um, to have so many people interested. And I, you know, I was proud of that. But one question kept coming up over and over again in these interviews is they would say something like, well, Colin, how do you do it? Are you a superhuman? They wanted to paint me as other. And it's a bizarre question to be asked over and over and over again. Um, are you calling you a superhuman? Are you a superhuman? But it kept being asked. So I thought, man, I really need to think about what is my answer to this question. So I thought about it for a while. And the next time somebody asked me, I was like, I have my answer. And I said, fine. Yes, I am a superhuman. But if I'm a superhuman, then you're a superhuman. Why? Why do I think that? Because we all have access to the exact same superpower, the ability to flex and develop. I'm pointing to my head right now. This muscle right here, the six inches between our ears. We have the ability to control our thoughts, to control our mindset, to commit to big goals, to tap this reservoir of untapped potential that lives inside of us. We are all superhumans. We have this superpower. 
And so, as you said, flexing and developing this muscle, the six inches between the ears, setting big goals, committing to it, sticking with it when it gets hard, we all have the ability to do those things. And so I am no different than any other person in the capacity to do these things. And like you said, when you when you dive in, when you set those big goals and you kind of rekindle that childlike mentality, it doesn't have the limiting belief standing in the way. It's an incredible thing what you can achieve and accomplish and what you can learn about yourself in the process. Yeah, good stuff. Just fire. I feel fire for 2022. And I want to finish with the quote that you love. Give us that one because I think it's so perfect for us to really end on. Yeah, my one of my all-time favorite quotes for sure that I've lived by for a long time. Um, Henry Ford said, he who says he can and he who says we can't are both usually right. And so in essence, just say that you can and you'll be amazed at what you'll achieve in the process. There you have it. My Everest, the latest episode of the 29029 podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about 29029 events or read more stories from an incredible community of individuals, you can head over to 29029everesting.com. That's 29029everesting.com. I'm Colleen Rue, the voice of the mountain. Keep climbing. We'll meet you at the next summit.